This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. We have a very interesting lesson today. Trends of the body, tricks of the mind. And, uh, you know, uh, as Bob was praying this morning, I was thinking, uh, you, you, should, you say you shouldn't have been thinking, you should have been praying along with him. Well, I was. But I was also thinking that it seems like <clears throat> more and more sickness is happening. But then I got to thinking, you know, well, uh, let's consider our age. Uh, trick, uh, trends of the body is exactly, is, is exactly what we're experiencing some of you have had surgery. You're facing surgery. In fact, Linda, I think you're having a biopsy this week, if I'm not mistaken. And, uh, and uh, <clears throat> we feel our aches and pains. And it um, takes us a little longer to get out of bed now than it used to. Uh, when we tie our shoes, we have to, it takes a little while for us to bend over to get that job accomplished. But we get it done, don't we? Thank you. I appreciate that one amen. <laughs> and the giggles from the rest of you. <laughs> but this is a very, I think it's a very important lesson. I, <clears throat> I hope that, and, I, and I've had some real good responses from, uh, from this study uh, of uh, aging. And this is what we've been dealing with for uh, the last few weeks and we'll continue for another few weeks till we finish this series. And uh, I, I, it's, been, it's been good for me. I'll tell you, as I've studied this and uh, read the scriptures, it's been an encouragement to me uh, to get a fresh biblical perspective of where we are in this process of aging. I want you to open your Bibles to James chapter 5. Pastor read some verses from this chapter in his message this morning. But uh, I want to go a little further in the chapter and um, because we're going to talk about this passage a little bit. James chapter 5 and beginning with verse 13 says this. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing hymns. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he hath committed sin, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one, for another, one to another. Pray one for another that you may be healed. And we'll stop there in the middle of that verse. But now let's go ahead and read the rest of the verse. It's so important. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. This passage of scripture is um, it's a blessing. Uh, I believe in a God and uh, a God of healing. I believe a God. Who, I believe there, that we serve a God who can heal. I believe in faith healing. I do not believe in faith healers. Uh, they're phonies, and, uh, and we'll talk a little bit about that perhaps a little bit later on. But I believe that we have a God in heaven that can heal. 
does God always heal? This is a question asked a little bit later on in our lesson. Does God always heal? No, it's obvious, the, it's obvious that he doesn't, and there's a reason, and we'll, come, and we'll look at that in just a little bit. Father, I pray that you will guide our thoughts today. Help me, Lord, as I teach this lesson, that God, uh, that, that I'll not be the teacher, but the Spirit of God will. And so we commit this to you, Lord, and we ask God that you will help us each to learn uh, to live with the various conditions of our bodies and even of our minds, Lord, that you allow us in this aging process. And I pray, Lord, that you will help us to be able to function more freely, uh, uprightly, more honestly, and, uh, and more effectively, having considered, Lord, that this is a process that you have, adored, have ordained, ordained that we should go through. And yet, Father, as we look at the prospect of it all, we just rejoice in you because someday we'll be in your presence. And that's, uh, the afflictions that we encounter in this present age are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us when we are in your presence. We pray in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen. Older people tend to develop physical and mental issues. And uh, we have to be honest about that. In fact, this whole series of lessons is based upon us being honest with what we are faced with in life as we go through this stage of life of aging. We're old. You're old, Gene. <laughs> you're not as old as I am, but you're Amen. older than you were a few years ago. Right? You have any comments about that, Ron? No, I'm not old. Good. Uh, okay. <laughs> I like to pick on Ron. He used to get mad at me when I when I said he was old, but he's gotten used to it now. <laughs> he's finally learned that he really is old. In fact, he's as old as dirt. <laughs> what? <laughs> All right. We're going to look at some of these physical issues today, and, and then, uh, first of all, and then and then a little later, we're going to look at some of the tricks the devil plays on our mind. And, uh, and I hope it's profitable to you. I, I'll be, I'm going to be pretty pointed, and, and I, as I have been. And, and there may be some things I'll say that you might get a little upset at. But you'll love me anyway. <laughs> when you wake up and really realize that what I'm saying is true, <clears throat> uh, you'll love me. So anyway, we're going to talk about stuff like that, and uh, there are there are severely there are some severely debilitating uh, diseases uh, that we can be concerned about and should be concerned about, and um, uh, there are some that are going through the process of some of these debilitating experiences right now, and uh, but that's not what we're going to focus on necessarily today. It's just kind of the common aches and pains that, that you and I experience uh, during the course of this process that, that we're going to be looking at and, and help us to understand and help us to, uh, to get through it. 
some of us um, may not really know what's going on in our bodies. And um, that's why it's important for us to um, consult our doctors and, and accept their evaluations and their diagnosis. They're not always right. Uh, God, in the final analysis, is the great physician. And, and we know that doctors don't always, in fact, a pastor referred to a situation this morning with Renee where the doctor probably didn't do the, the right thing. I had a situation with my eyes. I had uh, cataracts removed and, and uh, implants uh, several years ago, and that didn't turn out exactly the way the doctor, I thought the way the doctor told me it would. The doctor told me I wouldn't have to wear glasses anymore. Well, you can see that that didn't work out. And uh, so I mentioned that to him. And he said, I told you that there were about 20% of the people that this won't work on. And I said, well, doctor, I, I'm not saying you didn't say that, but I'm saying I didn't, I didn't hear that. And he said, well, about every eye doctor in the Tidewood area has been sued. I said, hey, we're not going there. Uh, I have no intentions of, of suing you even offered to send me down to Duke University for a second opinion. I said, no, we're not going to do that. And so, you know, sometimes uh, either doctors uh, maybe not do things exactly the way they should do it. And sometimes we just don't hear sometimes what the doctor tells us, which I believe was my case. Uh, he probably did. I, I, have no, I have no doubt that he told me that that there are 20% of people that this won't, that won't be the result of. He probably told me that. But once he told me I wouldn't be wearing glasses anymore, boy, that's what I focused on. And I just shut him off and didn't hear the rest of it, you know, probably. Well, the studies show that <clears throat> among older people, 20% have chronic diseases have no chronic disease, thank you. <laughs> I'm glad you got the notes in front of you there where you can correct me, okay. <laughs> have no chronic diseases, 20%. And about 6% have at least one condition, speaking of a chronic condition, but it doesn't interfere with their mobility or their daily activities. Um, and because of stereotypes, Many dismiss older people as a miserable, sick, feeble, problem-ridden segment of society. Studies also have shown that this stereotype's not true. Even though sometimes uh, we're thought of, especially people that have uh, the kind of problem that may be a little debilitating. Um, let me just say this. This is not in the notes, but let me just say this. I've known cases where an older person had uh, maybe full-blown stages of Alzheimer's and um, where even family members have kind of just set them aside. Why? Well, they don't remember the family members anymore, you know. And... Um, and there are serious problems and so forth. And, uh, and I believe, I really believe that there are some people that, that set people like that aside 
maybe even put them in some, court, some sort of an institution, maybe a nursing home or some like, something like that. And it's a shame that sometimes family members forget that, that their loved ones are there. I have visited people that are in facilities like that where nobody in the family goes to see them anymore or rarely goes to see them anymore. That's a shame. That's a real shame. Uh, but anyway, studies have also shown that this hysteria is not true. Not only do many, el do many elderly people lead healthy, fruitful lives, but more and more of them are living longer lives. They call them um, centarians if they're over 100 years of age. For example, in uh, 2018, and you'll see the footnote down there, this was the latest statistics that I could find uh, in this area. But in 2018, there were 93,927 people that were, more than a, that were more than 100 years old living in America. Centarians, they're called. And uh, that's 28 out of every 100,000 people that live in America. And uh, just last year, in 2021, the World Economic Forum posted uh, an article on its website that stated that by the year 2050, now that's quite a ways away, but by the year 2050, um, there will be at least 3.7 million centurions globally around the world. That's a rise from 151,000 in 2015, if that happens, if that takes place. I think Jesus is coming back before that. In fact, he may, he may come back and, and, uh, before this class is over. Amen? It's also said that a child born today in a middle, high-income country like America has more than a 50% chance of living to be over 105 years old. You know, frankly, I don't care to live that long. I'd be satisfied to go home today, to be honest with you. My wife has a different opinion of that. But, um, you know, I'm ready to go. Uh, my brother has been in the hospital recently. In fact, he's in the hospital, still in the hospital right now. And had, he's two years older than I am. And uh, the doctors really thought initially that he was going to pass away. But he didn't. He's recovering. But he told his family, he says, I'm ready to go home. He said, I'm tired. I just want to go home. And he wasn't talking about going back to where he had been staying. He's talking about going home to heaven. And uh, I think a lot of us are looking forward to that that time and that prospect. But you know what? <clears throat> we need to be content with the fact that God has still left us here. And I've said this several times during the course of these studies that, that um, there's a God says there's a time to be born and there's a time to die. And as long as God leaves us here on this earth, he has a purpose for us being here. You may wonder what it is. You may wonder what you can do, but the truth is there's some reason why God has left us here. And we need to make the most of that and do what we can to serve God to the best of our ability in all these years that God has left us here. Well, 
So let's talk about the trends of the body. This is Roman numeral number one, trends of the body. Letter A, it's not as serious as you may think it is. The fact is that while there are plenty of illnesses in old age, it's not as pervasive and crippling as it once was. And uh, based on the facts, it's altogether possible that a significant number of, uh, of persons who claim that, that they're too weak or infirm to attend church, study their Bibles, or serve Jesus Christ in any capacity is wrong, are wrong. And uh, sometimes we just use excuses for not doing that. They may instead be taking advantage of the aches and the pains that most elderly people experience to excuse their laziness. There's a certain sector of the population that whines and complains. At the slightest provocation, they find it utterly impossible to carry on a normal and normal function. Uh, churches, as pastors know, contain their every church, as pastors know, contain their share of members in this group. And uh, we probably have some here, good news. I'm not going to name any names, and I'm not really thinking of anybody. But we probably have some here. Now, though there are obvious ex 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 exceptions, many elderly people will cave to pain, cave into pain and weakness much too easily. And usually, uh, usually they can do more, sometimes far more than they think they can do. And there might be some people sitting in this class or watching by live stream right now that uh, you have made excuses for not doing some things that you used to do because you don't think you can do them anymore. That's one of the tricks of the mind that the devil has played on us. To give us the idea that there are some things that we can't do anymore. There are some things that we can't do anymore and certainly we can't do them as quickly as we used to do them. It may take us more time, but the truth is that most of us can do a whole lot more than what we've convinced ourselves we can do. Think on that for a little while, will you? Okay. One other factor to consider is what other people know about them, their family and their friends, what they say about what they can actually do in other areas. For example, one may claim he can't go to church because, he, because of his pain. But then you discover that he sits for two and a half hours in a movie theater watching a movie or before the television, or doing something else. Someone else claims that, she, that, uh, claims that uh, she can't use her hands to staple bulletins at the church, but she knits for hours on end. And when that's the case, somebody who loves them needs to just confront them and say, listen, I see you doing this and doing that. And by the way, while I'm on that, let me just say this. I've seen some people that, that haven't been back to church since the COVID thing, but they're out in the supermarket. They're out in society. They're doing all this. And some of you may be looking at me right now on a screen, live stream. That uh, you'll go to all kinds of functions. But for some reason, you can't come to church. Would you explain to me why? I'm sorry. I, I just had to say that. <clears throat> you know what? 
about 14 people just turned their TVs off. <laughs> or their computers, whatever they're watching this on live stream with. All right, I just made some enemies. I hate that when I do that. Pastor made a statement this morning, it's true. I hate confrontation. But sometimes you have to have confrontation to, to, to get beyond it. All right, well, let's move on. Okay. There are illnesses that do not debilitate so severely that one is unable to function. And in this case, we need to match our ministry to our abilities. What abilities do you have? What is it that you can do? Think about that for a while. What is it that I can do? Well, then use it to God's glory. Whatever it is you can do, God still has given you some abilities. He's given me abilities. And we can use these abilities to the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. And too often it becomes because a person is not, is not able to accomplish some desired task, he will give up and he'll do nothing. They, might, might, they may not even think, uh, uh, think of the fact that, that there are different tasks in which they may fruitfully engage. By the way, what I just said, I know there's some people that are watching by live stream today. Don't misunderstand what I just said, okay? I'm looking right at the camera if you wonder what I'm staring at. It's not the screen back here, it's the camera. But I know there's some people watching by live stream that can't be here, and I know that, you know. So all of you who are watching by live stream, don't um, just evaluate what I said according to your, your ability and your condition. Okay. I, I had to say that because I was, I'm afraid that I may have unnecessarily offended some. All right, but they may not, they may not even think the fact that, that there are different tasks uh, in which they may fruitfully engage from time to time, some may refuse to try new tasks because they're menial. Let me translate that. They're beneath my dignity. Not as interesting as I used to do. Or there's the reluctance, uh, there's a reluctance, uh, or the reluctance may be, it involves learning new skills that I'd never learned at my age. Uh, last Sunday, uh, I, I made the statement that some people use the excuse that you can't teach old dogs new tricks. There's a problem with that statement. You know what it is? Yeah, we're not dogs. <laughs> we're people. And we can learn new tricks. So let me, tr let me tr uh, translate that. It would be too much trouble to do it. What it boils down to. The first excuse is a matter of pride. The second is a mix of apathy and laziness. And we have to remember what the Bible says about these things. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 2 says, When pride cometh, then cometh shame. But with the lowly, or with the humble, is wisdom. Proverbs 29, verse 23, A man's pride shall bring him low, but honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. And in Proverbs 21, 25, The desire of the slothful, killeth him, for his hands refuse to labor. And that brings us to letter B. It helps to have a biblical perspective. It helps to have a biblical perspective. And number one, it's the result of a fall. 
Our problem is the result of a fall. A thoroughly biblical understanding of sickness is essential for the Christian. All sickness is the result of the fall that occurred in the Garden of Eden. We experience it because of Adam's sin. Some sickness is the result of God's judgment for personal sin, and we're going to talk about this in a few moments. Some sickness is the part is is um, God's judgment for personal sin. Other sickness is simply a result of the original curse that God placed on man when, when, when Adam and Eve fell in the Garden of Eden. It's important that we don't confuse these two matters. We know that neither Job's illness nor the blindness of the man that, that Jesus healed in John chapter 9 were a result of their sin. They weren't sick because they had sinned. One of them, uh, the blind man, was, uh, was sick from birth. He hadn't had a chance to sin when he became blind, you see. And so not all sickness, not all infirmity is a result of sin. And uh, on the other hand, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 30, and when we serve the Lord's Supper, sometimes we refer to this passage because it's in that passage where Paul deals with the Lord's Supper and, and those who eat unworthily the Lord's Supper. But in verse 30 there, it makes it abundantly clear that God brought sickness, weakness and sickness, and some even death on those Corinthian believers because, because of their sin at the Lord's table. They desecrated the Lord's table. And when you evaluate an illness, first you have to determine, if it's possible, determine the cause of it. Uh, be very careful about how you evaluate this matter. And in James chapter 5, the passage that I read just a few moments ago uh, can help us on this. So number two, help is on the way. Help is on the way. So let's refer again to James chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. And let him pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if, and if, if, uh, if he hath committed sin, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another, and pray one for another, that ye, may, uh, that ye be not hindered, that ye, that ye may be healed. Excuse me, that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. That word if in verse 15. And if he hath committed sin. It indicates those two possibilities that we were talking about just a moment ago. That the sickness either could be a result of sin in the individual's life that God's brought judgment on. Or it could be a result of the curse. And that's why it's so important to determine the two. Now, here's a person that's come to the elders of the church and said, listen, would you pray over me? I'm sick. Uh, would you pray for me? Well, the first thing, and we've had this done when I was pastoring several times. We had members of the church that would come and say, Pastor, could you bring the deacons together and pray? And... Uh, now let me give you a personal illustration. Mark Bailey's dad. Um, huh? Yeah, Lewis. Lewis Bailey. 
Louis Bailey had cancer of the esophagus. At that time, we had a doctor, a surgeon, that lived across the street from us. And, uh, and I was telling him about Lewis's condition. He said, kiss him goodbye, he's gone. That was, that's a quote. Kiss him goodbye, he's gone. He won't survive. Lewis came to me and he said, Pastor, would, would you get the deacons together and, and pray? We did. We prayed over him. Some of the questions I asked him, I said, tell me about your illness. And so he told me, I said, tell me what the doctor has said, and he did. I said, now, Lewis, tell me about your relationship with the Lord. This was, this was one-on-one with him when he came to me. I said, Lewis, tell me about your relationship with the Lord. As far as you know, is there anything between you and the Lord right now? He said, Pastor, I've searched my heart. There's nothing that I can, can put my finger on. And uh, so I said, good. And so we got the deacons together. And as we all gathered together, all of the deacons, I asked all the deacons, I said, I want to know before we pray for our brother here, is there any one of you here that needs to get right with God before we go to the throne? And we gave each other assurance that we were in a right relationship with the Lord, that God could answer our prayers. So we prayed. We laid hands on, on him and prayed. And you know what happened? God healed Lewis. The doctor across the street was wrong. We didn't have to kiss him goodbye. Now, of course, we know he's with the Lord now. But in that instant, God healed him. He really did. Now, God used surgery to heal him. God used the doctors, and they're instruments of healings in God's hands at times. God uses various means to bring healing. And, uh, but, <clears throat> but had not God guided the doctors and the surgeon, I believe that we would have kissed Lewis goodbye. John, where are you? There you are. John can give evidence to the fact that this happened. John's uh, Lewis's half-brother. And, um, and uh, it was amazing to see what God did. And that's not the only case. We had other instances um, where um, the ill has called, the, those who are ill called the, the elders together. And we got together and prayed, and God healed. If Kirk Hickok were here today, he would give you the same testimony. We went to the hospital and prayed over Kirk. And God raised Kirk up. And he, and he would testify to that to you today if he, were, if he were sitting here in the congregation with us. And so we have a God, we serve a God who can help us. He can answer prayer. There are some things that we need to take into consideration here uh, in this uh, in this passage of scripture, it's important. First of all, it says, if there's any among you, let him, let him call the elders together. It's the sick person's responsibility to ask that the elders come and pray for him. It's not the preacher's responsibility to go say, hey, would you like for us to bring the elders and pray for you? Uh-uh. I had a, when I pastored in Indianapolis, had a man in the church that had been in the hospital for a week. And he got mad at me because I didn't come see him. But guess what? I didn't know he was there. 
His whole family were in the church and not a single member of that family called me or told me or spoke to me and said, hey, um, I forget his name, Lewis. I think his name was Lewis. I don't know. Um, <clears throat> is in the hospital. I didn't know he was in the hospital. You know, some people think the, the pastor is omniscient. Hey, buddy, we ain't God. And we ain't omniscient. We don't know everything. And if you don't tell us, sometimes we don't know. But this guy was, he was, he was mad. I mean, he was just put out with me. And I said, I'm going to call him Lewis because I think that was what, what? George, his name was George, that's right. No, it was George's brother. Anyway, I'm going to call him Lewis, okay? It doesn't make any difference what his name is anyway, does it? Anyway, I said, I said, Lewis, I said, you've been in here for a week. I finally did find out he was in the hospital and went to see him, but when I got to the hospital, he was really upset. I said, you've been in here for a week and you never told me. And you expect me to know that you were, I just chewed him out. I did. He was sick, <clears throat> but he deserved what I said to him. <laughs> I said, I had no clue you were in here. Your brother George, your wife, your sister-in-law, your daughter, excuse me, yeah, your sister-in-law, your son, none of them ever said a word to me about you being in the hospital, and you expect me to come see you, and I didn't even know it. Now, you can get mad at me if you want to, but you better get right with God first. Okay? Well, guess what? He got right with God and apologized, and, and uh, we became friends again. Uh, but anyway, let him call for them. And so it's the sick person's responsibility to ask the elders to come and pray. And as I said, we've had that experience several times. And, uh, and, and it was just a, a wonderful experience. But also once you notice the oil here, I misinterpreted this passage for a number of years. In fact, some of the people that came to me uh, and asked if we would gather the elders together I misapplied a part of this passage, and that was the anointing with oil. I used to think it was symbolical of the presence of the Holy Spirit. And so I would anoint them with oil. I had some, a little tube of olive oil, and I would just um, anoint some on their forehead. And I would explain that this is, this is symbolical of the presence of the Holy Spirit here. But then I, when I started studying the book of James... And uh, I, I've, got a, I've got a commentary I've written on the book of James. And when I was studying this passage, I came, it came to light to me that, that that's not the proper interpretation of that, of the anointing of oil, that it actually has a medicinal purpose. It was medicine. And so then, after that, I, I, uh, I would ask the question, are you taking your medicine? Are you doing what the doctor told you to do? Because that's the proper interpretation of it here. Uh, let me see. Um, I've gotten ahead of myself in the notes here. Let me see where I am. Have I gotten way too far ahead of me? Yeah, it's on the other page, isn't it? As God promised. Anyway, let me just tell you what it is. This word anointing that's here in James, in James chapter 5 is not the normal word for anointing that we find in other parts of the Bible. It's, a, it's an entirely different Greek word. Uh, the word um, 
um, well, it's, it's, I've got it here someplace. Um, uh, Creo is the um, Creo is the normal word for anointing, which has the idea of anointing a priest, or the, the term Christ comes from this Greek word, uh, referring to Christ as the anointed one. But that's not the word that's used here in, uh, in James for anointing. The word that's actually used in, uh, in, uh, in, 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 in James for anointing is the, is the Greek word for rubbing. Anointing or rubbing has the idea of rubbing in the oil. And the more I studied that, the more I realized that James is talking about applying medication. In the, uh, in the parable of the, of the Good Samaritan, remember when the Good Samaritan came upon the, the, the person that had been attacked? He rubbed in what? Oil and wine. And the word there is rubbing, it rubbed it in. The oil and the wine. The, the oil mixed with herbs was a medication. And he, then he poured on the wine to prevent infection. So he was ministering medically like an ENT would do uh, to the person that was injured. And that's what James is saying here, administer medication. God uses that. Uh, didn't, uh, didn't Paul tell Timothy, take a little wine for your stomach's sake, for your oft infirmities? He did. What was, what was Paul saying? You have to keep in mind, Paul had the gift of healing. But he told Timothy, take a little wine. That was a form of medication in those days. Um, he didn't tell him to drink wine as a beverage. In fact, the Bible has other verses of Scripture that tell us that it should not be used as a beverage, fermented wine. But he says, Timothy, uh, take, a little, take a little wine for your oft infirmities. Um, why didn't Paul pray the prayer of healing over Timothy? I don't know. I really don't. But he said, take some medication, Timothy. It'll help your upset stomach. And so he did. And uh, so <clears throat> that's, um, uh, that's what uh, that verse means. So let's go to number three. I got ahead of myself here. Number three, don't listen to the phony doctors. Don't listen to the phony doctors. The power of prayer is obviously the most is the most potent medicine, no question about that. But what the doctor prescribes is also important, oh, excuse me, the power of prayer is obviously the most important, uh, potent medicine, but what the doctor prescribes is important. Um, the use of oil needs to be explained, and that's what I was just doing. So the Roman Catholics turn to this passage to justify extreme unction. Now, I didn't put this, this is not in your notes, but I added this after I sent that out. Uh, I thought, you know, I need to explain what extreme unction, because some of you won't know what it is. So here's what I wrote in my notes. Extreme unction, uh, or called final anointing, 
is the practice of the Roman Catholic Church of anointing the sick when received during the last rites. It's administered to, uh, to someone who's not just ill, but who's near death. And so the Roman Catholics will look at this passage for their justification for, uh, for the extreme unction. Well, that's not what's being taught here. The passage is not referring to administering a sacrament to those who are dying, but rather refers to the bringing healing to those who are sick. And then sometimes the charismatics and some others as well uh, think that James was referring to ceremonial use of the oil, and that's what I was practicing in my early application of this pastor. Was, it was a ceremonial application, but, but in my study I found out that's not true. Remember Dr., how many of you remember Dr. Savitas? Dr. Um, Kanatas, Dr. Kanatas. This was, uh, yeah, Bob would remember, Dr. Kanatas, is um, Mrs. Savitas, Georgia, Georgia Savitas' father, who is, a, who is a, a pastor of a Greek church. He, of course, they're Greeks, so the Savitas' were Greeks. And uh, he pastored a Greek church up in the Boston area. At one time when he was visiting here, when I was pastoring this, uh, when I was... Uh, uh, developing my, my commentary on the book of James, writing that commentary, um, I called Dr. Savitas aside and I said, Dr. Kanatas aside, and I said, I want to talk to you about this word anointing here in James. And uh, he said, tell me what this means. And he says, he says it means medication, rub it in. It means rubbing it in. I said, well, that's what I've been studying and I just wanted you to confirm that to me. And so we had quite a conversation about it. And so, so I told him what I had been teaching. He says, no, no, that's wrong. That's not what this passage is saying. And so I appreciated his input on that. And then I read some other commentaries as well. Um, Spira Zodiates, who is also Greek. I, I read, read what he had to say about it and, uh, and so on. And it's not ceremonial, it's medicinal. It's talking about applying medicine. And then we'll pray. And so there's the application of medicine, there's the application of prayer uh, as we apply this passage of Scripture. And so uh, I think that that's a good explanation of it. Now, letter C. Does God promise to heal all illnesses? No, he doesn't. And I've already mentioned uh, Timothy's taking wine for stomach problem, but also uh, Paul told, Paul told uh, Throphimus, he left him at Miletus sick. And, and so God didn't heal them. They expected them to take, God expected them to take medication and then there was a process of healing that took place there uh, in both these individuals and others as well. But God doesn't always heal our sicknesses. Uh, that's not God's plan. We get sick because, uh, because of Adam and Eve, because of the fall. Thank God there'll be no more sickness when we get to heaven. Amen? 
Praise the Lord for that. In cases where the people, uh, where, where the person who is healed had committed some sin uh, that let God afflict him because of that sickness, it's important to follow through with the very obvious thing of that, <clears throat> that that person must repent and confess his sin. Confess it to anybody that's affected, to go to them and, and apologize and get things right with them before the elders, pre, uh, the elders pray. Because if they don't get right, if they don't ask God's forgiveness and get right with God, if the elders pray, God's still not going to heal. Why? Because they're still under judgment until they get that sin corrected, until they get it right with God. So it's important. Kind of interesting that sickness is often an opportunity for us to grow spiritually. This was David's testimony. Look at what it says in Psalm 119. In fact, one of these verses, I think it's verse 75, is our, is our, um, uh, our verse for the month. Now, we quoted it this morning in the service. But in Psalm 119, verses uh, 67, 71, and 75, here's what David said. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. What's he saying? He says, God afflicted me because I went astray. David at this point was sick because he disobeyed God. But now I have kept thy word. I've gotten right with you, Lord. And verse 71, it is good for me that I've been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. David learned some things through his sickness. And then verse 70, 75 says, I know, O Lord, that thy judgments are right and that thou in faithfulness has afflicted me. So sometimes God brings us to the point where we are driven to our knees and we have to reevaluate our relationship with God and say, Lord, did you bring this on me because I did so and so because I sinned, I disobeyed you, you know? It's good to do some introspection sometimes. To look inward and say, God, uh, what is my relationship with you now, Lord? Get right with God. Get right with God. Now, keep in mind that not all sin is a result that somebody, not all sickness is a result of sin. You have to keep that in mind. Don't look at somebody that's sick and say, what'd you do? What's God judging you for? You hypocrite. Why do you even think that? Take the beam out of your own eye before you mess with the moat and somebody else's, okay? Isn't that good advice? It's biblical. All right, let's move on. All right. This is the way physical affliction should should affect all of us. Let's quickly go. <laughs> I got three points to do to deal with the tricks of the mind. But that's the reason why you have this whole thing in your hands so you can read it. Tricks of the mind. And I hope you will read it because this will help some of you if you'll read this. But let me give you the blanks so you can fill in the blanks and then you can read it. Roman numeral number two is tricks of the mind. Let me just go ahead and give you all the blanks right now, and I'll go back and, and uh, comment on what I can. Letter A, the give up syndrome. The give up syndrome. 
Number one, discouragement. Down but not out. Number two, depression. Out. A person who's depressed is out. They're just out. Number three, desperation. They're frantic. Desperation. Um, letter B. The devastated spirit. Discouragement, depression, despair. They can be devastating. All three of them can be very devastating. Letter C. Other extenuating circumstances. Other extenuating circumstances. And please read this. Um, <clears throat> some of you watching by live stream have gotten this by email. But if you don't have it, if you're watching by live stream and, and you, you don't, you're not on the email list, if you will send me your email address, I'll send it to you because I want you to have this. This is such an important thing. In fact, I probably ought to just teach this next week. Why don't I do that? I, this is such an important part of the lesson. I think I'll just come back and teach this second part next week, okay? All right. What? Good deal, okay. <laughs> I think it's a good deal too. All right. Father God, thank you so much for your healing power. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for loving us the way you do in spite of our frailties and our infirmities. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for sometimes reminding us uh, of our apathy, of our sinfulness, of our disobedience. And uh, Lord, thank you for bringing some things to our, bringing some things upon us to draw our attention to, to that, to the fact that we need to draw closer to you. We thank you for our illnesses. And God, thank you for bringing us to where we are in the stage of life, to this aging process. And God, thank you for the assurance from your word that we can make it, we can make it, that we're not what some people think we are when we get old. We're not everything we used to be, Lord, but we're what you have made us to be. And I pray that you will help us to make the best of it. For Jesus' sake, amen. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, you can visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and we want to encourage you to share this message with others. May the truth of God's word be your guide as you strive to follow Christ and make him known to others.